I'm Alessandro Parodi from chess.com and I'm here at the South African Junior Chess Championship with Grandmaster Wesley Saul from the United States. Uh, so Wesley, how has your experience of South Africa been so far? I look very good. I love it. It's our first time here in the continent of Africa and uh, we have such a good time. Let's get into it. So it was very lovely. We have been to, uh, I think, one or two game parks and we've seen a lot of exotic animals which some of them are not in the United States for example uh, I think lions and cheetahs and leopards and hyenas are not natives of the United States so we have great time so far and uh, I'm very pleased that they invited us here um, and also playing chess with a lot of kids opening the junior chess championship and meeting thousands of kids. It's just lovely to be here. Are you having maybe less pressure than playing international tournaments? Is it a different type of experience than what you're used to as a top player? Uh, definitely. I mean, so I think South Africa has a lot of uh, young, uh, interested chess players and uh, you can see the interest of, in chess that they have here with the young kids um, but in general uh, chess is not considered a profession here so they don't have as much strong players and I think they only have one or two grandmasters who's not even living here <laughs> so uh, the competition is uh, not as huge for instance as in the London Chess Classic <clears throat> okay. And uh, yesterday I played in the doubles and also had the blindfold simul. Um, and those were fun, but it's really considered to be an exhibition. And uh, okay, uh, yeah, how was your experience in Jubert Park? You you went there and played with hundreds hordes of local players uh, in quite a different setup compared to uh, the, the quiet halls of, of the big tournaments. Was it fun? Was it uh, challenging as well, or, or a different type of challenge, of course. It, it was wonderful. It was a wonderful experience. The people were wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, it was very, very fun. I know it's supposed to be a dangerous place, mm -hmm. but we never felt it for one minute. Of course, you know, there were many of us, but I feel we were very well received. Mm -hmm. And the local people were very generous and funny and kind and everything. Mm -hmm. Okay. You mentioned yesterday chatting with parents how competitive the world chess is, the, the, the world of chess is, and how welcoming South Africans are in comparison to, 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 to those type of tournaments. Do you think that's actually a limit for us as South African players, that we don't, we are not fierce enough, or we're not uh, angry enough, I don't know, or willing to win too much? No, I don't. Okay. I feel it's very important in supporting the psyche of your children. Mm -hmm. um, as chess becomes more of a culture, your rankings will rise. If it is right now, you're just sort of, I don't know, in the beginnings of mm -hmm. this. So I have seen really rabid parents with their children mm -hmm. uh, pushing, shoving, screaming at them. It doesn't make them better players. I, I don't think that the top 10 players are the top 10 players because they were 
pushed and shoved and you're sort of born into this mm. and yeah you can you can get modification you can get help you can get uh, encouragement and um, strengthening but I don't believe that negativity is strengthening mm -hmm. okay I yeah. see yeah. I, I personally this is my personal belief I know that there are many cultures in chess that do not believe this that think that it's good to beat the child mm -hmm. until he does it right it's not my personal belief mm -hmm. okay yeah. um, I think yeah. South Africans are very very civilized and very well behaved and I don't think it's related to chess a lack of aggression. It's more like a lack of strong players and lack of strong tournaments that are held here. As they pointed out, it's very difficult for the kids to get international exposure. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and it's expensive to travel to Europe or to the United States to play in top tournaments. That's basically right. That's basically yeah. it. It's just a matter of more exposure, more international tournaments, and the kids who are meant to do it will get stronger and stronger, and the kids who aren't will kind of peel off after a while and do something else. Um, but, well, you look, you have two kids here, the twins. They've got a coach now. They're doing better mm -hmm. in one year because they, they did get the right coach. They go and attend. Their father takes them to attend the international. I think that the advancement is more there. Mm -hmm. it, it's not in that oh, parents aren't beating their children enough and mm -hmm. aggressing them enough. And I just don't see how that's ever going to be productive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about South Africa being quite off the map of chess worldwide. Um, I, I find it very interesting looking at your history as a chess player, um, how you came from a similar background. Uh, I don't know how similar, uh, but at least not really... Uh, uh, a European country and not yeah. necessarily a uh, wealthy uh, country or a, a political situation. Uh, do you think there are some similarities between the Philippines and South Africa? And do you think there are some substantial differences in that? Because the Philippines, Philippines still provided, uh, produced uh, lots of uh, averagely strong players uh, in the past. Well, it, it is. Um, it, it's an indeed, it's almost, how should I say this, all the poor people, you know, chess is a poor man's game, generally. Mm -hmm. That's why so many people play it, because they can't play polo or tennis or mm -hmm. golf, they don't have the money. So every poor kid in every poor third world country plays chess, because mm -hmm. that's available. So we have a lot of it, we're not, we don't have any support really in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And we do have many innately talented players, they start from very young, People in the neighborhoods play, they play on the sidewalks, it's very cultural. It's more of a culture of yes. chess, that's right. But they don't advance unless they get out. Mm -hmm. Can you create a culture of chess in a country? And if so, I how? think you're doing that now. Okay. With, with this, Thanks. Well, <laughs> with an event like this, I've personally never seen this many boards in one venue at the same time. I mean, you have almost 2,500 kids registered to play here. There's, there's nowhere I've ever seen like that. Mm -hmm. So you're already creating this culture and making it fun and bringing the families in and the kids come back year after year and I think you've only been doing it four years. Mm -hmm. So you've got your feet in already and you will see as that culture develops that 
people, kids will be discovered who have innate talent. And then it will be up to either their family or I don't know your government to say, well, maybe they, need, they could use a little pushing, take them to an um, international, get them a coach. Um, it will become, the way you're handling it now, part of your culture. Mm -hmm. I can't see how anything could not be with thousands and thousands of people here. And just can't, we, we don't go anywhere where there are thousands and thousands. Do you think there's anything that uh, South African chess players or federation whatever, uh, are doing wrong? Doing wrong? Mm. Oh, I would have no idea. I mean, when you... Well, from what you see, of yeah. course, yeah. Um, no, I, I don't think so. I think they are struggling to try to bring the culture of chess and inform parents in a nice way that this is not soccer, this is not rugby, this is not... There are rules that may be strange to them um, that are rules. And if the kids want to advance, they've got to know those rules. I mean, you can't... I think in the venue, having parents, coaches, managers milling around is, is a bit disruptive. But I know they're trying to control that, and I know parents want to be there, see their child. But if they were to go to an international, they wouldn't be able to do that. Opens. So no, I think the chess association here is doing gangbusters, building South African chess, mm -hmm. and teaching the way it's done everywhere else. Well, maybe one thing. Uh, I'm correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe because compared to other sports, chess doesn't really get the governmental support that's needed. Um, increase the funding because I know the chess association here in South Africa is a non-profit organization. So it's hard for them to build funds necessary to create, uh, for instance, huge tournaments or um, invite international players to give exposure to their local players. Is it about national funding or private funding? Because, for example, in the US, uh, well, I'm sure you have more decent funding. Uh, well, we didn't for many years. Yeah, I mean, but now the the the, the yeah, big game changer was uh, the. Private initiative yes, yes. more than public. Rexingfield. Yeah. Rexingfield in St. Louis is making chess happen. Happen, because before that, I mean, I think the U.S. Championship. What was the award? A hundred dollars or something? I, I don't know, but they didn't have a they didn't have a stable location, and yeah. uh, they didn't have. It was jumping from city to city at one mm. point, and I think Rex built up chess in America. I think at one point USCF was going bankrupt. Yeah. And uh, uh, Rex wanted to build a solid and a, a stable place mm -hmm. where chess players of locally can come and compete. So he built St. Louis 10 years ago and he also transferred the Chess Hall of Fame there. Mm -hmm. And since 2008, the US Chess Championship has been consistently mm -hmm. stable um, in St. Louis. He's also been attracting international players under the South African um, American flag. Uh, could it be uh, actually considering the, the nature of Africa? Maybe, uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a difficult question to ask, but could it be that South Africa can uh, set itself as uh, the US of Africa uh, attracting international players? And uh, if so, how do you think it can happen? It needs private investment because I don't mm. think your government's going to step in and do it. Everywhere that chess is booming now, it's privately invested. I mean... Well, there are other cases like Turkey. 
or Russia or Russia as well yeah or China but those are but rare they're kind of rare I, mm -hmm. I mean it takes somebody to put up a big what makes parents willing to take their kids to summer camps for chess and travel for chess is when there's the idea that there is a career in it and it is private investors who are creating this idea outside of maybe Russia and China. Mm -hmm. um, that the prizes are huge. Um, your kid could have a future earning here. Um, uh, if, if, he, if you wanted to work at it, I think previously parents don't want to invest the time for their kids because what's it for? Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe it's a good, a good line on the resume resume, but it's not a career, and now it's becoming a career because you'd be surprised actually uh, that chess is a career for much weaker players in South Africa. Uh, you will find 2,000 rated players being chess professionals here right now. Uh, yeah, uh, it's maybe not uh, a, a, a great career, um, but then since there is no top player in South Africa, you're a top player at 2100. Well, that's great. I think that's great because you know what will happen? Next year there'll be a top player, maybe 2,200. Sure. And then it will start to grow on itself as people see, well, you know, I can actually make a living doing what I want to do. Mm. Um, it, it will happen. It, just the numbers of people you have involved, the organization behind that, parents coming out willing to traipse all over the place with, you know, bringing their tents and their chair. I mean, it's, it's enormous. And it will start to roll where you're still going to start producing stronger and stronger and stronger sure. and become a part of the international scene. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's just great. Another curious right. aspect of what you discussed yesterday is that you basically never had a coach, uh, at least from what you were yeah, saying. Most, yeah, mostly self-taught. Yeah, so South Africa conversely has almost as many coaches as players. Um, and yeah, we are so sitting. We are sitting with the issue of having so many half professionals uh, and still uh, not very strong players. Uh, so, what is the role of a coach, and what is the role of a player in terms of learning by himself? Well, I think a player has to know exactly how to what what things are to get from the coach, the good things, how to train. Um, how to work properly and how to prepare for a chess tournament and also to have that mindset that the coach recommends. Um, because I, I guess I had a chess coach last year and I had him for around 12 to 18 months and I guess there, there are good, good parts I can get from him and there are also bad parts. So then, important part, I guess, for players to keep um, to remember the good ideas that his coach gave. And I think the most important factor also for players to be able to train by himself because a uh, coach can only do so much to help a player. It still has to come within him okay. to improve. Um, so when I was young, I would have sparring partners, I guess, when, when I became a field master. I would work and train with IMs, so I share ideas and share books. But they told me that what they admire about me is that I'm able to work by myself without 
anybody there. Are there any books that change your life as a chess player? Uh, or that you would recommend and say, okay, this is what any, everybody must read? Uh, well, I guess there are classic books. People always say, if you want to learn Endgame, you have to study the Varetsky's Endgame Manual, or also John Nunn's chess books, or also Aberbach's Endgame books. Again, those are the three authors I can recommend. Uh, and also Karsten Muller's books and the end game because he's considered to be uh, the top end game uh, literature maker. The, the top the top developer of end game. Yeah. 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 And uh, when I was young, I would have this practical uh, opening repertoire books, for example, uh, Beating the Sicilian by John Nunn, and also, I think the book, title of the book was an aggressive opening repertoire for the attacking player. And I can also recommend Gary Kasparov's uh, My Great Predecessors. Those are great books, and I still read them a lot from time to time, amongst others. Huh? What? Uh, my 60 memorable games. Yeah. Yeah. That's also a classic. Yeah. I haven't finished it yet. <laughs> so, you know, okay. where coaching is concerned, I think it's amazing that you have so many coaches. That's great. Yeah. Because at certain levels of these young kids, they need that. Mm -hmm. But then they have to determine when it's time to move on. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, when you find the right person, if you ever do, that can be magic. But there are different coaches for different levels of players, and to hold on to a player beyond the point which he can develop would be an error. You need to pass him to the next coach. coach yeah. I think it's great you have coaches, and because yeah. um, there aren't many people who can clip things out of newspapers like Wesley and teach himself because he had to. So there's no coaches where he was, mm -hmm. and they couldn't have afforded it anyway. So he had to teach himself. But if it was available, like across the board, and I know in Russia and China, those boys, they are, um, their coaches are their fathers. You know, they practically they're push them. Mentors. Uh, yeah. yeah. But they're not, not they're really their real fathers. No, their coaches, no, I mean, their coaches yeah, they become their fathers. fathers. Yeah. And, but that doesn't really work for everybody because Way, everyone's so individual. Like Perhaps it also has to apply to a specific culture. Yeah. So for the Russian yeah. culture, it may work. Yeah. You just need to understand what applies to South Africa's culture, which is a big yeah. question mark. Also, yeah. They seem very family oriented. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, so yeah. so I, I met. And also very here. private. Okay. Uh, so you will have uh, small classes in schools. Yeah. Or, that's amazing. Um, it, it's always very. One on one coaching is always one on one. So it's yeah. um, that type of direction. So it fits in what you're saying. You're right. It seems in South Africa that the parents and the children and their grandparents they usually stay together, right? Within mm -hmm. close, within and I think that's admirable. As long as they don't take the position that this child is working for them to increase their money, their glamour, their prestige, or whatever. I mean, I think family backing is so important unless it becomes where the child now is performing to please the family or provides it. That's very difficult. That's what I was addressing yesterday, where they should come and just be supportive, win or lose. 
because there's always going to be a win or a lose. It's mm -hmm. never, ever going to be different in any sport. There will mm -hmm. be days you win, days you lose. Okay. And a parent who goes berserk because your mm -hmm. child is lost, it shouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. It's become too personal. Mm -hmm. It's not about the child anymore. It's about the, the parent. And I don't think there are many of those. I've heard there are some. I don't. But I, I, that's what I was addressing yesterday. That's, this is his thing. Not your thing. This is his thing. You're supporting his thing. Sure. So I think South African chess cannot help but grow. Um, now you have the Kasparov Foundation here. Um, you've got such energetic and intelligent people behind your, this, chat, this, this tournament alone. The numbers that turn out is phenomenal. Is the Kasparov Chess Foundation based in South Africa? Yes, it's based in Johannesburg. Yeah, but then, well, Casper Chess Foundation for Africa is based in Johannesburg, but operates mm -hmm. uh, across Africa and doing uh, a lot of good work. It can only help, can only do nothing but grow. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also there are some very good ties with the U.S. It's uh, because Gary Casper must come here a few times, I believe. Um, I think so. Uh, yeah, he I know. Did. Yeah, he recently did. we had Nakamura coming last year. Uh, short come in a few times, but that's not because, uh, not necessarily because of the Casper Chess Foundation. Uh, we had a few internationally known players uh, coming to South Africa, um, and the Casper Chess Foundation definitely played an important role in that. Well, if it all it does really is bring attention to the South African chess culture, whatever, mm -hmm. as it's in its inception here, um, as long as these kids start finding out. I think I can do this. I think I can be good at this. Whether they become chess professionals or not is, I think, almost irrelevant. They're improving their lives and their abilities to get jobs, mm -hmm. their abilities to focus, their yeah. abilities to understand you know, action and consequence. And maybe there will be one or two who will mm -hmm. go on to have elite careers. Mm -hmm. So I don't think your focus can be that these we are developing for elite careers. Mm -hmm. We are developing our children, period. Yeah. And we are developing a, a sense for chess. And yes. If, if there are 2,500 kids, yeah. let's say here in the Junior Chess Championship, I can't help but to have a handful that's really talented. Yeah. I mean, for example, probably if, uh, 20 years ago when, or 15 years ago when I was mm -hmm. 10, no one could have predicted that I would ever become a chess professional. And exactly. I myself, when I've been able to predict, but somehow I enjoy playing the game and I love playing chess and I love analyzing games. So, uh, yeah, that's how I, mm -hmm. I somehow I just kept going and then for some reason I became a chess professional. Did, did chess give you any, let's say, troubles outside the chess board? Did you have to uh, encounter any difficulties being as serious and competitive chess professional? Well, be, uh, chess professional on the making, let's say. So when you were younger, uh, did you have to? What did you have to sacrifice for chess? I guess quite a bit, right? I mean, God, my mom, God, if you can help me answer. Mm -hmm. But uh, well, being a chess professional takes up a lot of time, takes up a lot of study and work, um, because it's just necessary part of the game. And my opponents also work a lot. And if I want to be good, and if I want to win local competitions or even youth competitions. I have to prepare for it, right? I have to read a lot of books. So I think for the most part, I 
spend a lot of time with chess in my childhood, so I miss the time which could have been done to develop certain other areas. Um, I have to miss a lot of school, for instance, to be able to travel and prepare. I have, I, I was homeschooled mm -hmm. in two years in my high school, and um, I have to yeah, sacrifice certain parts of my education, my childhood. Mm. Um, and on the other hand, would it just give you, if you wouldn't have that, uh, if you weren't uh, such a brilliant chess player, and uh, also, uh, yeah, well, what did you get from chess? Other than, of course, what did you get on the professional. board? Um, I, I believe chess develops the mind. Uh, for instance, if you do research, uh, chess players are some of the most brilliant people in the world. It's hard to find one who is not. Um, I I like math. Math, math. math is my favorite subject. And chess is very much related to math. For example, last night I did a blindfold simul and I was counting with my fingers all the time, calculating and... Uh, I hear you had a bit of a slip. Huh? I, I hear you you almost forgot a board. Yes, a board. Board, board nine. Okay. Uh, well, so I played the ten board blindfold Simon last night, right? And uh, I've done this before. So coming last night, I thought I'd do a bit of a strategy. Mm -hmm. So I would play G3 on the first board and e4, then E4, D4, C4, C4. B and B3, so it's coming from right to left, it's yeah. easier to remember, and I do the same thing from board 6 to 10. Okay. The problem is when I reach on board 4, when I played C4, my opponent played E5, C9, C3, C9, 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 C9
difficult. And today um, you're playing a uh, hundred boards, Simo. Yeah, How, final, what yeah. is your hundred and two? Those two are important. So you're playing one more than Ikaro. And uh, is there a specific strategy for that too, or is it different? Well, I'm very pleased that I'm able to see the pieces. <laughs> of course, yeah. But um, no worries there. Uh, I'm worried though how long that Simo will last. The maximum I've done before is 50 boards, and I believe it lasted a bit more than four hours. For mm. the 100 board, 102 board Simo, it's going to run. Really, quite some time. Really late. Yeah. For well, we'll find out. We'll also find out uh, if there will, people will be looking for some upsets there. So hopefully, yeah, you will be able to uh, win all your games. Yes, uh, I'm, look, I look, I'm looking forward to my Simo. Um, most important part, I guess, is to be able to maintain a strong level of energy. Mm -hmm. Because uh, like last night, I was feeling I, I was feeling very good for the first mm -hmm. hour, but after the second hour, I was crashing. Mm -hmm. So I believe Hikaru has done it last year for five hours. Mm. Let's see if I can do it faster this time. But at the same time, I want to give the kids time to think and time to be able to make good moves. Well, okay. You have plenty of time by the time you complete a Yeah, because they have to go around. Yeah. Uh, yesterday I, I was doing blindfold time. Well, there were some kids who were saying that they didn't have time to think. But, no, but that was then, yeah. yeah. With 100 kids, the, the issue will be to keep them there without making the move before you arrive. No. <laughs> uh, With experiences. <laughs> yeah, no, but they, they will be very diligent. Um, yeah, well, one thing I like about South Africa is everyone is so disciplined and friendly and they follow the rules here. I've been mm -hmm. to countries where I've done simuls and uh, people would make two moves or would confer with each other on what the best move is. Parents, each other. We did one where parents stood behind his kid with a phone and, watching yeah. and nudging his kid to make the move. Right in front, I mean, you could see it there. So the aim was just to win, not to, to, to play the game. Yeah, that's why I don't like Simul, because we get into so much conflict, because I feel like Simul is not beat up the GM day. It's your, you're being honored by allowing to play a game against an elite player. Of course, yeah. You're not there to try to cheat him, humiliate him, harass him. We've had people come, during the Simul, a club behind one guy four members of his club giving him advice during the final. Yeah. It's and, just... And when, when Lodis told me, told them to... I went up to them and to I go said... Away. In, they wouldn't, right? No, I said, you will all sit down. He's playing against this guy, not against four of you behind him. I will stop this, Simon. I will stop it. I didn't believe me, so I went and I got the organizer and I said, I'm stopping the Simon. Yeah, but even when you told them, they wouldn't at first. No. <laughs> they just think it's their right care. to pull their phone out and analyze it on the phone and talk, then make their move. Or to talk at each other. And to I, I, even heard, I even heard them talking, what are you going to play? I'm going to play this. Are you sure about that? Why not this? Yeah, yeah, so they're analyzing. It's, it's, yeah. it's like a mutual yeah. effort. It's, three it's or disrespectful. Four. Yeah. It's, it's not that he can't work it out, you know. Of course, he can. He can. Ah, but it defeats the purpose and yeah. the ethos of the. It's, of the it's event. so disrespectful. Talking, bringing out your phone, having your friends come over and give yeah, advice. That's why we don't really like to accept mm -hmm. these signals. Mm -hmm. Actually, now we usually get paid to do a signal because mm -hmm. it's so annoying 
when the arbiters don't take control of the situation, and the and the poor GM is there in the center, just basically being abused by mm. fifty people. Yeah. You know, and, and okay, this one is going to go okay because your arbiters here are actually really good. Mm. I think um, your officials here are very good, mm. very strict, very on the ball, walking yeah. around, watching mm. everything. Mm. The people here are very disciplined, and I'm impressed yeah. by the fact that. Uh, they're very well behaved mm -hmm. and they follow the rules like last night there was a lot of people in the auditorium uh, watching my blindfold simul and they were told I and sorry there were tough people watching the auditorium and for the whole two to three hours of my simul there was no noise whatsoever, and everyone turned their Other than my camera, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> we were, we were but there was no phone with, ringing. We were watching them. So I was people very impressed. Were, people were asked to leave who were talking. Really? And phones had to be turned off. And but, people did come in and were shoot out. You couldn't see it, but we kept it very quiet. I'm just very impressed by the fact that, you know... Well, they were agreeable when huh? approached and mm -hmm. told. They were very agreeable, unlike yeah. other places where they want to confront you. Yeah, yeah I know yeah. that... They say uh, people have this so-called South African time mm -hmm. where not everyone comes yeah, <laughs> and comes as planned. But uh, I'm impressed with the discipline and the uh, civility that people have here. Okay. Is, do you feel there is something uh, in terms of uh, hard chess, let's say? Uh, do, you, do you feel there is something that you learned as a, as a chess player uh, with your experience in South Africa? That I learned here in South Africa? Um, Maybe there isn't much. The, the well, we were discussing this and saying one of the great things about chess, one of the things we hate most about chess is the traveling. Mm -hmm. And that is also oh, the thing true. we love most about chess is that because you travel, you right. meet people you never would otherwise have met. Mm -hmm. And that makes all the difference. He was just saying that we've met the most amazing, kind, and generous mm. people here. We'd never have met them if we hadn't traveled, you know, 20 plus hours to get here. Sure. So. I, I get a feeling that uh, you are very happy to meet uh, people you don't know. And uh, you hardly ever get to speak to uh, a VIP uh, in, in any uh, field. Uh, that is so uh, eager uh, to just engage with anyone uh, or to uh, just just uh, get exposed to different people and different uh, views of the world and also different um, I feel I don't know uh, that there is this thing about chess being anyway a, a social glue uh, and then I see uh, I've, I've had a similar impression meeting uh, Hikaru last year that in front of a chessboard, uh, a, a top grandmaster is happy even playing against a, a club player. And this is amazing from the perspective of a chess player. Because you, 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 you might otherwise think that uh, a player of your caliber gets bored uh, playing against pretty much no one. Uh, whereas it looks, it looks like Maybe it's just uh, an appearance, but it looks like you're having fun anyhow. Yeah, I, I, well, the thing with top chess players is I think every single one of us enjoy playing chess. It doesn't really matter against anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, I myself personally enjoy, yesterday I played 
uh, lives with some kids and I know that even though the skill is uneven, I can give them time ads to make it more mm -hmm. competitive. So I was giving them three minutes or three and a half mm -hmm. to one minute. Mm -hmm. And some of them were quite fast and good. Um, well, every top chess player enjoys mm -hmm. playing blitz. So I myself still I believe Hikaru uh, does as well. And, uh, and yeah, it's also good practice for me in general. I live in Minnesota where uh, even though we have a couple other grandmasters and we have a few other IMs, there's not really much uh, chess exposure. Does it actually spoil your chess to play against weaker opponents? Um, no. I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, because yeah. it's kind of, I would say, like a runner having a mm -hmm. pacer, you know, mm -hmm. and maybe that pacer's not as good as him, but mm -hmm. you just, well, okay, let me just say this. I don't think Wesley must have played 50, 60 kids yesterday in the doubles. I don't think that's detrimental to him at all. I think it's... It's, it's just it's, another game. It's, it's a just... game. It's fun. They're kids. Yeah. And my personal feeling is being accommodating to people and open to them is part of the territory. If you become a leader in anything, it is your responsibility to make time for children, for people who come to see, for people who are interested, people who follow your games. I know this is not a universal feeling, but I think that it's very important that you greet people, sign autographs, talk to kids, take that 10, 15 minutes after your game to chat and shake hands. I know a lot of people just don't like it, but I think that it's, it's part of the territory of being a leader in anything. Yes, and I enjoy being with kids and uh, seeing thousands of kids here, the young people. Uh, they just inspire me and uh, motivate me. I'm, it just makes me so happy to see that there are so many kids who are interested to take up chess and who enjoy playing chess. Mm -hmm. I guess yeah. promotion is also part anyway of your job. And um, actually, do you have? Uh... Well, I guess my main job, for the most part, like ninety percent of the part, is winning chess games. But mm -hmm. uh, our schedule here is much different than when we usually travel. Usually, it's just prepare, preparing in the morning, and then try to win. Do you get to prep or work while you are in an environment like this? Well, we are my... Did you get to work on your chess while you are uh, abroad traveling? Or, uh, well, for example, here, yeah, did you did you do some work on your chess? Well, when we usually travel, it's more or less during tournaments. I think this is the first or the second time of the year where we really travel for uh, popularizing chess. It depends. Here, I decided I won't bring any chessboard or laptop because I don't feel I need to. My when we come back home, I still have three weeks to prepare for my next tournament. Mm -hmm. So I feel that's handy enough. And uh, um, that's why I enjoy sparring and playing dates mm -hmm. because at least it keeps me warmed up. And even though I understand that it's not the same level as me, mm -hmm. I just have to remember that fact. And uh, it's still a chessboard. Yeah, still yeah. a chessboard and it's still sparring. And you're impacting other lives. I mean, that child will remember forever that mm. he played. 
Yeah, even if he doesn't become yeah. a chess mm -hmm. professional. Mm -hmm. But remember, I played one time. I, I do remember time. when I was yeah. nine years old, I played my first time against Eugene Torre, mm -hmm. who was the first Asian Grandmaster, and he was number one in the Philippines for a long mm -hmm. time. And even though I don't remember the games, I guess I was just happy that he took the time to play with me. What is the first game that you played that you remember? My very first game? The first game that you remember. Like, if you had to set it on the board. But in the tournament? Uh, well, that's a very good question, actually. Um, I guess I remember the games when I was fighting for my GM norm. Okay. Those are very, very memorable games sure. for me. And uh, um, back in my younger years, chess was not very well developed yet, so mm -hmm. um, the con the concept of having to play many openings and many mm -hmm. lines is not as familiar as today. Mm -hmm. So I would keep playing the same systems yeah. against the Nidor, for instance, or against mm -hmm. E5. So I have some memorable games mm -hmm. in the Nidor, which I can remember. Okay. But I think I was 13 years old or 12. Okay, so, that's, that's quite long ago. Yeah, and uh, okay, there's this funny story. I played in my first international competition under 10 in Greece, 2003, and I think I can remember the game. It was a Karokan um, panels, and I think I was playing against Java Katsis who were up, and I think I can remember the full notation of that mm -hmm. game. But at some point, he was making signals with his fingers, mm -hmm. And I thought he wanted to go to the bathroom. So mm -hmm. I told him, yeah, you can go to the bathroom. It's right there. But then apparently he was offering a draw. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so he did it two or three times. And I said, yeah, you can go to the bathroom. You can go. <laughs> <laughs> apparently he was offering and a draw. Winning. And then I ended up winning. It, uh, it was actually a nice game. And it's in the database. Okay. It's, uh, I won in a bishop a knight ending. It was mm -hmm. a good bishop and knight ending. I had a light squared bishop and I yeah. think his pawns were on c6, b7, a6. So you ended up picking all the pawns. And I have a pawn on c5. Well, okay. Yeah. yeah. And he ended up, well, I couldn't pick it up right away, but yeah, I gained a lot of space and I was slowly able to squeeze him. Okay. The game should have been drawn objectively, but perhaps it was faster that I didn't accept it. Okay, okay, I see. You were talking about the people that you are impacting in an event like this. Uh, who has an impact on you in terms of support, in terms of sponsors as well, and uh, allowing you to go far and further? Well, I guess there's a lot of people, but recently, uh, well, I like to take my mom. That is because she's always with me. Um, mm -hmm. We've been traveling together for four years now. Mm -hmm. um, well, it's a funny story. Back in 2018, I was number 100 in the world, mm -hmm. right? And I was, oh no, why did I say 20? Back in 2012. Mm -hmm. And I was 18 years old. And my rating was around 2660. And so chess is not very handled mm -hmm. well in the Philippines, right? And tournament are hard to come by so mm -hmm. I thought I'd go to university in the United States and uh, since I made the decision I have no idea whatsoever that I will ever become a chess professional mm -hmm. you know 2660s are not really enough to mm -hmm. compete um, but then I started improving and then I reached 
number 20, number 15 in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, I played in this small open tournament in Minnesota called the, sponsored by Nova Skelton, mm -hmm. called the Nova Skelton Open. And uh, I thought I'd come there to Minnesota. Why not? It's my mm -hmm. first time there. And I met Lotis, who's my adopted mother now, mm -hmm. in a private dinner. And I didn't think that I'd ever see them again, right? But then somehow things happened and I ended up visiting them mm -hmm. in during Christmas. And then she, at that point, I wasn't sure what I was going to do as a career. Mm -hmm. So I asked her for help. And then she suggested that yeah, I could be a professional chess player one day. Well, after we, you know, he wanted to become a professional Sanford Fellowship from the United States. Always keeping um, my eye on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, you've heard about the Sanford Fellowship in the um, United States. But not sure. I'll explain to you. Uh, it's sponsored by Frank P. Sanford, mm -hmm. and I believe he's a Christian, and he's got set up many different things and charitable work for the United States and he's also sponsored chess, his mm -hmm. foundation that so the Sanford Chess Fellowship is for people age twenty six mm -hmm. and under. Mm -hmm. Right? And for American players. Mm -hmm. Um what it does it it gives uh, it helps support chess players to mm -hmm. if they want to see how far they can go so it mm -hmm. gives some monthly stipend and it mm -hmm. also helps with living expenses and also with chess expenses and travel expenses and it's good for one year with a second chance to be able to get it on the second year and it started in the 1980s and it has helped so many up-and-coming chess players so far mm -hmm. including Hikaru Nakamura Mm -hmm. uh, Sam Shankland, mm -hmm. Irina Crush, mm -hmm. uh, me of course, and Jeffrey Jean. So basically all the top players in the United States mm -hmm. except Fabiano. Mm -hmm. Fabiano came to us in Italy. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, nah, what but... Basically, his first, when he decided to become a chess professional, mm -hmm. immediately help was reached out to him. Mm -hmm. The Samford Fellowship, they only take one player mm -hmm. every year, mm -hmm. uh, chose him. And he was astounded because in the Philippines he'd received so bare bones. As a matter of fact, they mm -hmm. still owe him money. Um, and Samford Fellowship said, we will help you in your goal. And they, um, for, and he, he got it for two years, which is not the usual. He, he was chosen for the first year and he was doing so well, they gave him a second year of support. Um, and then Rex Singfield made him part of the Grand Chess Tour which is, uh, it's not, he doesn't give money, but he gives you the opportunity to be part of the tournaments that earn money, mm -hmm. which is huge. Because it must be a game changer. Yeah, like the, yeah. Everywhere, every, since he came to the United States, help was coming from every corner to help him to move ahead. Yeah, I'd like to thank Rex Singfield because he really built up chess in the United States single-handedly. Uh, without him, there would be no Fabian for one mm -hmm. in the States. Maybe he'd be playing somewhere else. Maybe <laughs> <Italy. in> <laughs> Maybe he'd still be in Italy. Yeah. yeah. And I believe maybe Hikaru Nakamura won't be a chess professional anymore. 
mm-hmm. probably be working in finance or mm-hmm. investing money <laughs> or a stock trader and uh, um, and I might have, have switched federations uh, Rex really gives the opportunity mm-hmm. to be able to give American chess players a chance to have and, a living and then we were in playing in Norway and a Norwegian water company approached mm-hmm. him to be his sponsor and that's been great they send us water wherever we go it's a fantastic oxygenated water so it was one miracle after the other because you can the name of the companies oh go to life water mm-hmm. it's on facebook it's a, it's okay. a really big norwegian company and um he, it was just miracle after miracle that reached out to help him mm-hmm. and this was so important because there was a lot of controversy when he left the Philippines. Mm-hmm. But he knew that there he could not is. go. There still is. He knew that it was going nowhere. He couldn't develop. He couldn't get invited. Even now, you know, having the Filipino passport is so difficult with visas. Mm-hmm. Have to get visas everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to get a visa here. I almost didn't make my trip to South Africa. Visas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we almost didn't get our visa on time. The, okay. the South African embassy in Chicago was horrifically rude to him. Uh, just mm-hmm. gave us a hard time, acted like it was so offensive that we wanted to go to South Africa. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't understand it. We almost didn't make it here. Yeah. So yeah. we're. Well, I, I guess that's also a bit of a problem with uh, the South African. Uh, immigration policies and tourism policies, anyways. It's, it's a little. But we had the letters of invitation and all, and it wasn't love. Give us. Yeah. And you were probably missing some paper somewhere oh, that you weren't oh, told about. Every other thing was not right. <laughs> Even uh, it said on their website, uh, we, you need to bring uh, have an overnight shipping thing. We sold United States postal shipping to ship back your mm-hmm. passport. The minute it costs like 50 bucks mm-hmm. the minute we we showed it to her, she said i don't like that she said you should get a, fe- a fedex this may mm-hmm. not get to you we had to throw she that 50 dollar envelope and buy another 50 dollar it was like why do we want to go to south africa i'm not sure <laughs> it's i'm glad you made it though oh yeah I'm it, glad was, it sounds like you were enjoying it so, yeah. oh it's, tremendous it's, no at so. some point we thought i thought we weren't gonna make it because we flew to chicago and we were leaving the same day mm-hmm. and the embassy was only open for two hours from 10 to 12. Mm-hmm. and uh, before coming there Graham jorgensen mm-hmm. who's the head of african foundation yeah help us we checked every single requirement every single we every went over, single it, we went over it, it. Mm-hmm. bank accounts um invitations bookings, passport copies the invitations have yeah. to be signed by yeah. both passport but copies have to be signed by someone from south africa yeah. but then, got it, we yeah. then when we got there there were still three things that we were lacking yeah and, then we and if you had those three things something else would have been missing yeah <laughs> it's so strange because honestly i want to say this that was like the rudest person I've ever met in the South African embassy in Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> and we come to South Africa and every South African we meet, black or white, is incredibly nice. Yeah. And I'm like, why did you send like the worst person you had in South Africa to represent you in the United States? Because we have not met one nasty no, person here. So don't forget here. to write a review on TripAdvisor. I will write a review on TripAdvisor. It was funny. <laughs> yeah, like, right. What, yeah. you know, One the or very five first, stars. The, your first encounter with a culture is usually the consulate. Yeah. What? What? Why so, is she so mean? And then 
we get here, everybody's so nice. Everybody's so nice. Talking about uh, chess developments, uh, sorry if, if I'm keeping you here forever. Just have no. a couple we have more questions. Anyway. Oh, yes, yes. okay, perfect. So, uh, talking about chess development in South Africa and perspectives of, of, of uh, uh, higher hopes uh, international scene, do you think there will ever be a uh, similar tournament or, or a part of the Grand Chess Tour uh, here in South Africa? Are there any Africa rich people well? in South Africa? Uh, we will find them. Uh, <laughs> okay, rich people in South Africa, you need to stand up and put your money where your mouth is and back your people. Black or white, you need to back them, you need to put up a tournament, allow your people to get this exposure. Bring in top 10 players here, let the people interact with them, see how real tournaments run. You just need one person with some pocket and not big. I mean, it's not very expensive to make um, mm. one of the segments of the Grand Chess Tour. Mm. Yeah, we had the F1 track. I'm sure we can afford well, some chess players. It's the same <laughs> thing. We, we saw this in Azerbaijan. They spent 10 times on bringing in race cars for some mm. racing thing mm. than they did on bringing in the, the chess. The problem with uh, South Africa is, I think, you have sports which uh, get a lot of funding. For example, rugby, maybe, mm. or cricket. Yeah. But uh, chess is all, it's not very mm. well known. And yet, those sports are so narrow. Rugby, cricket, soccer, they're soccer. so narrow because the children that go into them, less than in chess, actually become professional players. Mm -hmm. And the rest of them, what do they have afterwards? Well, people don't even realize that chess is a sport, for instance. Well, mm -hmm. it, they should start waking up to it. The thing is, your children will wind up with so much more benefit spending five years of their youth playing chess than spending five than spending five years of the youth playing rugby. Yeah, everyone plays rugby here. Yeah, what does it yeah. get for them? Can you use it on your college resume? Can you use it on a resume to a job in a, in, a, in, a, in a big company? I played rugby, well, whatever. No, I played chess for five, six years on a team. I represented South Africa. I represented my... This is better looking on a resume, yeah? Yeah. And the kids wind up better. And in terms of players, I know it, it is probably actually it's surely related. But in terms of players, you think there are there are chances of African players making it to an international scene and breaking into the top ten, that kind of class circuit. You uh, mentioned Basim, right? I see. Yeah, well, player. because he's kind of our uh, yeah. uh, top African. Player. Yeah. Very nice guy. Very okay, nice and do you think? I know you were talking about him. Uh, I think with. Uh, some other player uh, in the uh, past few days yeah. uh, about the chances of having Basim, uh, for example. Yeah, we, whether he will get invitations now that yeah. he's a member of 2700 club. Yeah. Um, I hope so. He's a very decent guy. What does it take? Is it just about playing chess? Is it about uh, being in the right uh, circuit, in the right, uh, being the right well, nationality? Take support, right? You take ask. Is it possible for South African to well, be also a, for an African as a oh, whole? Oh, an African. Yeah, African yeah. To South African okay. is probably still a long way. Nobody in the world would have ever said a Filipino will mm -hmm. one day be number two in, in chess mm -hmm. in the world. I suppose. No right. one would, Philippines is not. I mean. But then at the same time, you now have an American citizen. Uh, well, you, you're playing for America. Yeah. Um, you, uh, it, you, you hardly get other nationalities than Europe and the uh, former Soviet Union yeah. and in, in these years the US to actually and China of course to break into into the very top. Or India. Uh, or India, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's the the part of Asia. 
so can there be a loose cannon, let's say, or, or do you always have the backup of it? No, if if somebody here mm -hmm. stood up and backed South Africans, mm -hmm. it wouldn't be any different than Rex Singfield standing up and backing people who come from different countries yeah. to become players. If the Philippines had stood up and backed Wesley So, he'd still be playing for the Philippines. I see, yeah. Yeah, he, he left because there was no support. Mm -hmm. But he could have been the first Filipino under the Filipino flag to be number two in the world. Sure. But nobody, and we have many, many billionaires in the Philippines. Yeah. Many. Mm -hmm. It looks like a poor country, but that's just the 110 million. There's like others that are very, very rich yeah. there. The same in South Africa. If somebody stands up here and becomes the godfather of chess here, he will one day have a South African player saying, mm. because of this man, mm. I learned to play chess, I became competitive, he supported me, took me, and I now am the world champion mm -hmm. representing South mm. Africa. That's what it takes. He would still be in the Philippines if there had been support for him. Yeah. I'll ask you one last question. Yesterday you were... Uh, playing in a Batman uh, uniform. Who is your Joker on the board? Who is your um, hardest? Oh, my actually my partner was Joker. Was it, so not it was Robin? Batman and Joker? Was it not Robin? <laughs> no, we couldn't get it. Robin. Oh, it was Joker. Okay, so uh, so we, we we got it answered. And in the in the top what, what's ten. What's his name again? Mufundo Mafia. Yes, he was a great partner. I uh, think we lost one game. Yeah. Because he had the black pieces. And, and I, I hear there was some funny mate. Huh? He got mated somewhere. Yeah, and then he got checkmated. But then in the end, I told him he'll play all whites. And oh, he did really well. He okay. carried the team for us. You might have ended behind us. Yeah, <laughs> he got 8 out of 8, right? No, we lost one game. Ah, okay, so we have the same point. Yeah, yeah. I think we, we had the higher book host. Was there an 8 out of 8? No, because the people who beat us then lost the last round. Ah, they lost the last round. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so there is a there is a pack of seven teams on uh, the same score. Probably uh, eight teams with seven out of eight. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I wanted to ask you who is your the, the the most difficult opponent that you generally face in the circuit of players that you always play with in red chess tours and international tournaments. Uh, who do you think is the the, the, the most difficult player to get play against, or the one well, that you have uh, most? Well, Fabiana in Magnus. Mm -hmm. I believe Magnus is still stronger, but Fabian has given me a lot of hard, hard mm -hmm. time this year. Mm -hmm. uh, he's crushed me in many tournaments. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I would say him, and then I'd probably face him again next year for the mm -hmm. US Chess Championship, yeah. where he'll be the favorite mm -hmm. by a long margin. Mm -hmm. And hopefully in another candidate's uh, tournament. Yes, to, hopefully. To, to make it to the, to the top. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Fabian has been a difficult opponent for me, but not only because of the style. Mm -hmm. He's very uh, slow and steady. He's mm -hmm. very unemotional. He's mm -hmm. very mm -hmm. calm and cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, he knows how to prepare well in chess openings. Mm -hmm. So I believe mm -hmm. his style is against me. Mm -hmm. But not only that, but he's a very stable player and he's still constantly improving but of course he works a lot on chess mm -hmm. probably works much more in mm -hmm. chess than how do you deal with emotions on the board i i, I feel uh, as a chess player it's something very difficult even at a lower level of course to to, to handle how do i deal with chess 
with emotions over the mm. board. Well, practice and and training. It, there's a lot of nerve, uh, stress and nervous tension mm-hmm. on a classical chess game. Um, some players deal with it worse than others. Um, and there are always going to be losses, even though how hard we try. Mm-hmm. So the most important fact, I think, is just to be able to move on mm-hmm. and uh, to not put too much pressure on, on yourself and to just enjoy the game and to just play your best. Generally, I do well in tournaments. Uh, I'll give myself an example. I do well in tournaments where I don't have much expectations, mm. where I just play very calm and I play very happy, very relaxed. Uh, for example, some of my biggest wins have been tournaments where I didn't expect that I'd win it. Mm-hmm. Like the millionaire chess in 2014, I was even hesitant. I remember I didn't want to go mm-hmm. to that tournament because I didn't think that I would ever win the top prize, mm-hmm. even though I was the top seed by like 60 federating mm-hmm. points. Um, but that was one of my best tournaments ever. And coming into the tournament, I didn't think I would play well. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, some of the tournaments were there's too much pressure involved, let's say, the candidates this year, or people keep telling me, oh, it's only the first place is good enough. Mm. It's easier to crack. Yeah. Mm. And uh, um, players like Fabiano and Magnus, they know how to deal with pressure. And uh, that's why they have a big advantage over some players. Um, It's not easy for, for... a professional chess player because it's, it's our way of making a living but at the same time as my mother always tells, tells me there's always another game you know just to show you how how deadly it can be at the top the night before the first game candidates mm-hmm. we received an email which unfortunately he saw telling us that this coach that he'd been working with was writing a book on secret notes he'd taken about him during the 12 months we'd had him. Okay. And that was an absolute lie or what? No, it was true, but it was a, it was a, a total breach of confidence. Sure. We had hired this man to coach, and fortunately they never had really um, any rapport, so he never told them anything. But this guy was taking secret notes on his relationship with Wesley and planned to put it in a book mm-hmm. talking about you know, yeah, whatever, revealing things, whatever. And they, he sent it to us the night before the first game. 